Welcome to Off Key, a Membran Labs podcast about the music industry for the industry novice. I'm your host, Talia Seidman Wright. This season of Off Key takes a turn down a new path, moving on from the who question towards the how to. My hope is that this season will act as a music industry 101, providing accessible information for industry newcomers like myself who are interested in building an understanding of what it means to be a creator in Canada's music industry. In previous episodes, we've looked at the music industry from the perspective of two key players in the creation of music, the songwriter and the recording artist. We've explored how these creators make money and who and what they should be aware of as they build careers in the ever-evolving music business landscape. In the current context of the COVID-19 crisis, making money is of greater concern than ever to music creators. As we've learned throughout the season, understanding what rights you hold over your music, whether you're a songwriter, recording artist, or both, is crucial to making money in the music industry. As a music creator, it's important to register with collection societies to make sure the royalties on both the composition side and the master side are divided up fairly and accurately, and that the money is put into the right people's pockets. If you would like to learn more about rights and royalties, you can listen to episodes 3 and 4 of this season to learn the basics of composition and master rights, and episodes 10 and 11 to learn about royalty collections in Canada. There is one type of royalty, however, that we have not yet discussed. Private copying royalties. This week, I had the pleasure of speaking with Lisa Freeman from the Canadian Private Copying Collective, or CPCC. The CPCC is Canada's nonprofit organization responsible for collecting private copying royalties and distributing them to their member organizations such as SOCAN, ReSound, and CMRA. The private copying levy is governed by the Copyright Act, and tariff rates are negotiated by the CPCC and the Copyright Board of Canada. This royalty is in place to compensate songwriters, music publishers, recording artists, musicians, and record companies for copying music for private use. For example, when someone burns a CD using music from their private library, there is a portion of the cost of that blank CD that goes towards compensating music creators and other rights holders for the use of their music. Today, private copying levies only apply to certain technologies, and the CPCC does a lot of advocacy for updating these to include current technologies and to keep up with technological innovation in the future. Lisa Freeman offered a wealth of insight into the CPCC's work and explained private copying in Canada in more depth. This is a very important topic for music creators to be aware of, so I hope you learned something new from our conversation. Let's get right into it. My name is Lisa Freeman. And I am the executive director of the Canadian Private Copying Collective, which we shortened to CPCC. Okay. And what does the CPCC do? And why are they important for music creators to be aware of? The CPCC is actually a copyright collective. Um, we collect royalties on behalf of our members and distribute those royalties to them so they can distribute to individual rights holders like songwriters and musicians. So we, we are essentially an umbrella collective, which means that we are ourselves made up of other collectives. And those member collectives are CMRRA, SOCAN, and ReSound, which are right. organizations I'm sure your listeners are familiar with. Yes. And um, so we've been focusing primarily on composition rights and then master rights. So are private copying like another type of rights that are totally separate from those? Yeah, so we were created by our members back in the late 90s to deal with what was then a new set of royalties in Canada, or a new right. 
right to compensation for private copying. So those are the copies that you make of your music collection for your own personal use. Um, and back in the day, that was mostly really making mixtapes and burning CDs. Um, right. We're the group that, uh, that is responsible for, uh, for filing and defending the, the proposed tariffs that are, uh, that are then certified by the Copyright Board. Um, and we administer and enforce those tariffs. And we're also responsible for um, the research and the advocacy that's needed to make sure that our little piece of the Copyright Act keeps up with how Canadians are actually consuming music. Yeah, for sure. So private copying is a use of music that presents a unique challenge for the rights holders in music. Um, as, you, as you know, and I like to talk about it this way, copyright is a bundle of rights. Mm-hmm. And you have the right to control essentially the use of your creation and then to be compensated for those uses. So uh, a musician uh, or a, a composer can uh, authorize or prohibit and earn income from the use of their of their work through concerts, radio, sheet music, online music services, uh, audiovisual uses. The problem is, how do you get compensated for private copies? This is a use that can't be controlled because we don't even know that it's happening. We can't, it's private by definition. So the solution to that is a legislative one. And that's why in 1997, Canada's Copyright Act was changed, just like it um, has been around the world in all kinds of other countries to take account of that particular use of music. So what it does is it creates what we call an exception to copyright. In other words, it says, it's not any longer an infringement of copyright or, you know, in layman's terms, you're allowed to make a copy of music for your own private use. But uh, in exchange, the rights holders in that music have to be compensated. They have to be paid a royalty, which in right. this particular case, the form of the royalty is what's known as a levy. Whenever uh, a business sells a product that Canadians use to make their private copies. So again, back in the day, that was cassette tapes and CDs. Um, and so for many years, the private copy regime has been a really important source of earned income for mm-hmm. those rights holders. And again, you know, looking at who our members are, we are covering off the, the composers and, the, and songwriters and the musicians, but also uh, the, the, the business partners of those individual creators, the, the music companies, the publishers and the, and the labels. So it really feeds the whole industry. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah. And so for that, that source of earned income generate has generated over $300 million in revenue for over a hundred thousand recording artists, songwriters, composers, publishers, and record companies. And just to break it down to, to understand the impact for your, you know, your particular group, the creators, mm-hmm. about 60% of that money uh, is allocated to songwriters and their publisher partners, 20% to musicians and performers, and another 20 to the labels. So if you wrote a song um, and you self-published and you self-produced, you can get the whole Monty, but uh, that it essentially breaks down across those rights. Yeah. So that money has been helping in the past significantly to to allow creators and, and their business partners to keep creating and investing in the creation of great music. Yeah, totally. The problem is that where we used to collect in, t- in 2004, that uh, that revenue stream was worth $38 million in 2004, just for that year. 
that was the peak year, but it used to be worth, you know, it was not uncommon for us to be collecting north of $30 million a year. Wow. Recently, it's down to about one and a half million a year. And so that means there's really, there's just less real money in creators' pockets. And the problem is that our Copyright Act just didn't keep up with technology. So there was a major court ruling back in the early 2000s, which was when everybody had really shifted. Everyone had made that shift from copying music on cassette tapes and CDs onto their brand new iPods, right? Do you remember the thousand songs in your pocket like blew everybody's mind? Yeah. Um, but uh, so we actually, the, the, the private copying collective, the CPCC did propose a tariff on MP3 players and mm. it was certified by the copyright board, but challenged in, in the courts. And so the, the court of appeal said, we see the logic, but the wording of the Copyright Act limits us to collecting on media. And so media means those objects like cassette tapes and CDs, and that we can't have a levy on devices. Um, and so since uh, after the whole process of that court ruling was, was run through, since 2008, we have only had royalties or levies on blank CDs. I don't know about you, but I can't remember the last time I burned a playlist, honestly. No. <laughs> so the bottom line is how we keep copying, how we copy music keeps changing, how creators get paid has to keep up. Yeah. So other than CDs, are there other technologies that are newer that the CPCC is pushing to be covered under private copying? Yeah, absolutely. Um, in fact, there's, there's, a lot of people out there, including, you know, among rights holders who think that, well, it's all about streaming now and nobody copies music anymore. And, and really that couldn't be further from the truth because what happens is technology keeps making it easier to copy music. And our research shows that there are about 6 billion copies on Canadians' phones and tablets right now. Right. And those aren't just legacy copies. We, through our research, we estimate about half of those copies were made in the previous year. And we also learned that only half of those copies are licensed. And again, a lot of your listeners will know, especially if they listen to your, uh, to your podcast, that there is licensing of this kind of copying uh, through streaming services and the download services. So right. you're getting paid for, for some of those. It turns out that it's about half of those copies which means that there are billions of copies of music on phones and tablets that creators are not getting paid for. Right. And in fact, um, we also figured out that it's the same, about the same percentage of Canadians that are using their phones and tablets now for private copying as used to use CDs. When, they, when we first got a, a levy, when we first had royalties on CDs. So the same, it's, it's still sort of the same level of use, but the number of copies is way up. Because again, technology just keeps making it easier. Right. And what exactly does private copying look like in basic tech terms? And what types of copying does private copying not include? That's an excellent question, actually. I think it's very helpful to start with what it's not. So it's not the offline copies you're making using your subscription streaming app. So for instance, if you have Spotify, uh, a paid Spotify subscription, then you're entitled to make copies that you can listen to offline. Right. It's also not things like stream ripping though, any more than it would be about stealing a CD from a record store. It's what private copying is about is the activities that are by definition private. So rights holders 
can't even know the copying is happening and therefore you can't control it or otherwise license it. Mm -hmm. So what it is, is things like copying music that maybe originally came from your existing collection of physical albums or unlicensed downloads. But we continue to sync that music onto our new devices and mm -hmm. we use it in new playlists to take to the gym, things like that. It's really about the music you already have in your collection and the copies you continue to make from those sources for your own personal use so that you can have your music with you whenever you want it, like when you don't have Wi-Fi or can't access your streaming service. Right. Because there will always be copying that can't be controlled. And Canada has decided that we want people to be able to make those copies, but rights holders need to be paid for that use of their work. Yeah. And so how are private copying royalties collected? Uh, under the Copyright Act, it's the businesses that import these media who are responsible for paying the private copying royalties. So mm -hmm. at the first point of sale of those media in Canada, uh, the importers report sales and remit payment to CPCC. So just to, to give you some sense, so that's like the companies that are importing CDs, we still have like verbatim and Maxell active in the market, right? They're bringing CDs into Canada and selling them on to retailers. And it's at that first point of sale. So those levies are, uh, are those royalties are paid to us by the, those reporting companies. And then they're channeled through us to our members. Uh, again, they're, they're collectives themselves. And they then distribute onto the musicians and songwriters and all of the other individual rights holders. Right. Okay. And so that happens at um, that happens at two levels that um, that uh, break down the distribution. So as I mentioned, uh, the copyright board establishes that allocation across the classes of rights holders. So again, about sixty to songwriters and publishers, twenty to labels, twenty to to creators, to musicians, um, and then our members establish their own methodology. Uh, through, for how to distribute those royalties through to the individual rights holder members. So we receive claims from our members and they distribute out to their members. Yeah. So looking forward in terms of dealing with the problem that the Copyright Act has not been updated, um, how is the Copyright Act negotiated and between who and how might it be updated to align with newer technologies? Um, the, the same court ruling that said that we couldn't be paid for copies on devices also said very clearly that that was a problem that Parliament should fix. And that's really what we've been working on. So Copyright Act is federal legislation and copyright is the joint responsibility of two federal departments, Canadian heritage and uh, industry or innovation, science and economic development. So the government is required to review the Copyright Act every five years, and that process started most recently at the end of 2017 uh, and, and has included so far quite extensive consultation of the industries that are affected by copyright, like music, mm -hmm. but other, in other sectors as well, and also including the businesses who use copyrighted works, like music. So along with many others, we testified in front of two parliamentary committees those committees in turn produced reports uh, and then and then there was an election and a <laughs> pandemic. And so the process, uh, the process is a little bit unclear at this point in terms of the path forward. But CPCC, like many other uh, representatives of rights holders, we're still meeting regularly with the decision makers in government. 
the elected officials and the bureaucrats right. to make sure that they understand the issues and the urgency to fix this part of the act. Because the, the fix is actually pretty simple. Um, and you know we've talked about it a little bit, to, but to be very clear, what we need to do is make this part of the Copyright Act technologically neutral. Yeah. That would allow these royalties to keep up with how consumers are copying music. Again, smartphones and tablets. So it, it also, tech-neutral tech legislation is like future-proofing, right? Because we'll never be able to fully predict how Canadians are going to copy music. No. Um, but a tech-neutral act yeah. makes sure that technology won't immediately outpace the legislation with every new form of, uh, of consuming music. It's an important issue. And we're in discussions with government about what needs to be clarified in the act. So the way the act is written now is different from how our members want it to be written to make sure that it's clear okay. which copies are levied and which copies should not be levied. Totally. So the, the deal is that as long as unlicensed private copies are still being made, the creators and music companies involved need to be compensated for those uses. So what we, we talk about um, sometimes in our meetings, um, that it needs to be a virtuous circle. We need to make sure everybody wins. It's clear that the tech companies who make these devices are winning, right? Like the fact that you can store your music on your iPhone um, drives sales of, of the device and you know drives up the value of the device for for the that tech company. Uh, you know, I, you know, all you have to do is think about if I couldn't store my music on my smartphone, what would I do? Where would I put it? You, you, so there, there clearly is a value in that, in that functionality. And right now the tech companies are capturing that value. The Canadians, individual Canadians get to have their music anywhere, anytime because they can make these private copies. But the third piece of this circle, so tech companies win, individual Canadians win, the music creators must get paid. And then we make sure everybody wins. Yes, totally. Updating the Copyright Act to keep up with technological developments, both now and in the future, is crucial to maintaining the private copying portion of music creators' incomes. Evidently, this is an urgent issue for musicians to be aware of, especially living in an era of such rapid developments in technology. Lisa Freeman explained more about how Canada's private copying policy compares at the international level, and also outlined some ways that music creators can get involved and stay informed on this issue. Um, so um, another important uh, thing to understand about the, this advocacy we're working on is that um, Canada is, is part of an international community. Now, copyright, as you know, and your, you know, your listeners will know as well, um, there are, there are there's similar legislation around the world and we rely on the ability um, to sustain a global music industry mm -hmm. by everyone having healthy copyright legislation. And on this particular issue, Canada is an outlier. So there are a good 40 countries around the world with private copying regimes. And most of them, like the entire uh, European Union, have done the work already to update their legislation and make sure that the musicians and the creators and their music company partners are compensated for private copying, regardless of what technology is used to store those copies. Wow. Um, and, and in fact, the, the average European royalty just for the um, for, for this use of music um, is about three dollars 
per device, per smartphone, that would generate, if we, if we had a royalty like that in Canada, we'd be generating uh, about $40 million a year for rights for, wow. for the industry. Yeah. Um, the other thing that's important to understand is that we have unprecedented support from across the music industry here. So at those parliamentary committees, uh, the industry committee and the heritage committee uh, who are reviewing copyright, 30 organizations and individuals told them that this problem needs to be fixed. Uh, and that was more support than they, than they heard for any other issue, not just in the music industry, but any issue in the whole review of the copyright act. Yeah. Wow. And then lastly, I, I don't, you know, I, I can't stress enough how, uh, how urgent this is. We, you know, it's only become more urgent in recent months. It's harder than ever to make a living um, and fixing the private copying regime would put earned revenues back in the pockets of those who created and invested in Canadians' favorite songs. Yeah, and uh, it, they're going unpaid right now. It's it's not appropriate, and time is running out. I mean, the 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 current regime is dying because we've been limited to blank CDs, and so we're about to have zero money for this huge use of music. Wow. Yeah, very important. The good news is that the meetings in Ottawa have been going well, I should say. We really do get a lot of, as I say, nodding heads when we meet with people. Um, our research our research is, uh, is sound and has been very compelling. Um, the concept of tech neutrality is hard to argue with. Um, there, there is great concern about the, the hardships in the industry and this being a sort of last chance to fix this legislation before the whole regime disappears. Um, right. And, and also it's important, uh, it's been important for Ottawa to understand that we are international outliers. But yeah. because, because of who I'm talking to today, I want to also make it clear that Ottawa tells us they need to know this is important to individual creators. Hmm. We do our best, uh, you know, at, at representing uh, rights holders but it, it is important for Ottawa to hear from individual creators as well about what this lost revenue, uh, how, how that impacts their career and their ability to, to be professional music creators. Right. So how might people get involved? Like, is there something they can do to show that they're in support of this? Um, what we've been doing is encouraging creators to be informed and to stay up to date. That's the first thing and most important. This is kind of a funny little issue with lots of details. So the best, the best place to start is to find us and follow us on social media. So we're on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And so if people, if people find themselves after this podcast still scratching their head and going, wait, what did she say about that? Or how does it work? There's a lot of good information there. Okay. We also have a hashtag, uh, stand on guard for music. Okay. We have a mailing list. So if you go to our homepage at cpcc.ca, you can subscribe to our newsletter. And so, uh, you know, as we have updates to provide on our progress with advocacy, we report it there. Um, and then the other thing that we do is just this kind of thing. I'm very yeah. happy to talk about private copying with anybody, anytime. So if someone listening is interested, send me an email, pick up the phone and call me. Uh, we've been doing presentations to groups of rights holders, to uh, you know the staff of Resound, for instance, um, to the board of directors of the 
Canadian Country Music Association to right. the board of the Music Publishers of Canada. And I'm, it's really great to have those face-to-face uh, -face opportunities to explain things and answer questions. Um, and then, you know, those who are really interested, again, drop me an email or phone call and we can talk about how to work together to make this message loud and clear in Ottawa. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Okay, cool. Thanks, Lisa. Awesome. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you so much to Lisa Freeman for taking the time to speak with me and share her insights. I hope this episode provided some clarity on an important topic related to making money as a music creator in Canada's music industry. Be sure to follow CPCC on Facebook and Instagram to stay informed on this issue and show your support. And shoot Lisa an email if you have any more questions. You can find links for these in the description box for this episode. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Offkey. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a rating and review on iTunes. They really help us to improve and create the best content possible for our listeners. If you have any topics that you would like me to cover, please email me at offkey at membran.net or send me a message at either Membran Labs or Talia SW on Instagram. This episode of Offkey is written and produced by me, Talia Seidman-Wright, with writing and research assistance from Dino Cialotti. Thank you to Torben Witterman for creating the music used in our intro, outro, and transitions. Offkey is a member of Membran Entertainment Canada, aka Membran Labs, a music services company that provides distribution and label services for Canadian artists and labels. We're also exploring ways, like with this podcast, to help all musical artists be better informed, know their rights, and ensure that they get all of the money that is rightfully owed to them.